I read the other day that a Luka Doncic trading card sold for $4.6 million. I thought it was a typo. That's right, $4.6 million. And no, your AirPods are not malfunctioning. The company that made that card is Panini, based in Italy, the biggest manufacturer of trading cards in the world. Their, their American headquarters, Panini America, is located in Irving, Texas, as all roads always seem to come back through, through Dallas in the sports world. Their marketing chief, Jason Howarth, joins us today to tell the story of that Luka Doncic card. And I hope he can explain to me and Monica why, why somebody would fork over that kind of dough for a trading card. Also with us this week on, on the mic drop, new Dallas Wings head coach, Vicki Johnson is here. She had a great career at Louisiana Tech, was an All-American, great career in the WNBA. And today, she is the only Black woman who's a head coach in the WNBA. I was, I was really surprised to, uh, to figure that out this week. We'll talk about gender equity in sports, about her hopes for the Wings on the court, and her hopes for the Wings through the work of their foundation in our community. Finally, in our popular What Are You Downloading segment, we have a very special guest who I'm pretty sure is going to spike Monica and me into the third row after she tells us what she's been downloading. So let's drop the needle and let's go. Sully here. Welcome to the Mike Drop Podcast, the official podcast of the Dallas Sports Commission. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Monica Paul, the Executive Director of the Dallas Sports Commission, and our Next Level intern, Marcus Carr, wearing his Sunday Reds today as a get-well shout-out to Tiger Woods. Way to go, Marcus. So, Monica, let's start with uh, what's going on at the Sports Commission this week. Yeah, thank you, Sully. Well, we just finished up a meeting with uh, FIFA. This was our first virtual meeting to discuss stadiums in our quest to bring the World Cup here in 2026. So... Uh, a, a fantastic meeting, actually. Uh, we, it gave us some idea of different transformation plans. We had the opportunity to really talk with FIFA about what they would like to see, what they envision over at AT&T Stadium. Uh, you know, the different types of events, number of events. Uh, you know, we're really interested in, in getting a semifinal and final, a lot of, uh, along with six different um, uh, group stage matches. So a great opportunity to us ask some questions. It was really our, our first opportunity. <clears throat> we had an opportunity in last July, uh, but it was more big picture. So this was really uh, nailing down uh, some, some details. And uh, other World Cup news, uh, we're working on a human rights plan. So a lot is going into to that research and trying to engage the community and really put forth a plan that we can work on here and activate over the next five to six years leading into the World Cup and, and provide positive change. Uh, to numerous topics uh, in the human rights section. So uh, next steps on, on World Cup is to engage with FIFA in April and May and uh, uh, determine you know what they would like to see from transportation, uh, different venues, legacy plans. So really excited to get the process going. We've been a lo little delayed uh, from a pandemic standpoint uh, in our quest for the World Cup. And then in other big news, um, we have Athletes Unlimited uh, over at Fair Park Coliseum. This is a new professional volleyball league. Very interesting concept. Uh, it's all happening here in Dallas over five different weeks. They're heading into their second week. And this is a, f a great opportunity for, for female uh, and, and women 
uh, to continue their athletic careers in volleyball here on U.S. soil. Uh, no fans are allowed, so you know you can't go watch in, in person, but they've got uh, great uh, coverage and broadcast on Fox, on CBS, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch. Uh, so great opportunity. So I'm very interested to hear from our guest uh, later on in the in the show. Now you are you're a passionate sports fan and an expert in lots of sports, but volleyball is is kind of your jam, right? I mean, you worked for USA Volleyball for a long time. Uh, you were you were part of the U.S. delegation to the Sydney Olympics in 2000 and 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 the uh, Athens Olympics in 2004 with USA Volleyball and the technical competition side. What, what were those experiences like? Oh, I think it's one of the best experiences of my life. Um, I was very, very young, so I got to travel the world, experience, uh, experience a lot of different cultures, uh, made a lot of friends in the volleyball world, still continue to be involved today uh, with USA Volleyball and the FIVB and, and NORSECA. Um, but yeah, to be able to represent your country, not as a player, but as part of the staff, uh, in Sydney, um, it still kind of gives me goosebumps today. So uh, very excited to, to see the USA women where they're at um, in the world and uh, their quest to get another gold, gold medal here coming up. Yeah, I, was, uh, I was, had the privilege of being at both of those Olympics for, for NBC Sports. I, I wish I would have known you were there. You know, We hadn't <laughs> met yet, but uh, uh, I could have walked up to you and said, in 20, you don't know me, but in 20 years, we're going to be doing something called a podcast together. But I those know. are... Wouldn't have that those been Olymp fun, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, those Olympic experiences are incredible. Uh, a lot of great moments uh, in sports, but a big moment at the Olympics is is, is really kind of unique. And we'll see what happens in, in Tokyo. Uh, do you think they'll be able to get it all pulled together and navigate all the the, the, the COVID elements to, to get the games going on time? I, I sure hope so. I, you know, uh, a lot of these athletes have been training and, and it's just been a goal and dream of theirs for their entire life. Uh, and, and I know the, the delay has, has been a challenge, but uh, I think it'd be a shame if uh, we can't figure out a, a solution and give those athletes uh, their day in the, in the sun and ability to, to compete for those medals. Yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, the U.S. women are, are ranked second in the world behind uh, China, I believe. So let's, let's uh, see if, if uh, get another podium finish for, uh, for the U.S. women indoors and, uh, and the men are well positioned too. A lot of, a lot of good uh, options for the mic drop moment of the week, Monica, this week, but we settled on the spelling bee winners from North Texas. Something, another thing the Sports Commission has been involved in. Tell us about that. Boy, Sully, do I have something special for you today. Yes. So <laughs> one of the best things that we do in, in the community is our Dallas Regional Spelling Bee. And um, this was something that uh, we've been doing for the last four years. And uh, we have uh, over 35 different counties in, in North Texas and East Texas that compete within our region. But uh, we have over 70,000 students this year. And this year, the competition, the Regional Bee, is virtual. Uh, normally, we would do it in person. Uh, but over 70,000 students, over 600 different schools uh, within those 35 different counties that compete at their local level and then uh, their county level and then come to our regional B. And the winner, two winners actually, from our regional B go to the national B uh, that many of you have probably seen on ESPN. <clears throat> but a really great uh, opportunity. Uh, you would be amazed at the amount of time that these, the, these um, students and these kids spend in terms of and how knowledgeable they are on where words came from and origins and, and this sort of thing and the words that they can spell. Um, so really excited to be able to name our finalists coming up here on March 19th. I actually had the opportunity to go to the National Bee about four years ago 
uh, and I sat in the room and watched this competition. And uh, so, like, I'm I'm embarrassed to say I got every word wrong. Uh, the next segment I came in and I had I got one word right. So I thought, okay. And I actually had to go back to my hotel room and say they give you a test online. You can go in. <clears throat> And um, it told me that I, I don't fare very well in the spelling side of things. So uh, we're very excited to, to host that B. But I have something s special for you, Sully. Uh -oh. I've got to see, I've got to test your skills here. And I need to know if you can compete on the level of our national regional spellers. I mean, Dallas um, in 2019, uh, we had, let's see, uh, actually 20. 2018, uh, our Dallas Spellers swept the top three uh, in the nation. And then wow. coming back in 2019, uh, we had three Spellers uh, that were crowned co-champions, co-national champions. So uh, we're kind of on a roll. 2020 uh, didn't happen right. before of COVID, but we're, we're, we're thinking we have a strong contingent here uh, coming into 2021. So I really need to see what type of co-host you are. And if you have, <laughs> uh, you know, you can compete uh, at a national and, and a regional level. So here are the stakes. If you get this right, you get to continue to be my co-host and possibly get two tickets to Green Day. If you get this wrong, you still have to be my co-host. You just don't get the tickets. Okay? Okay. So I'm, All right, I'm ready. Here, here's, your, here's, your, here's your word, and it happens to be the word that uh, Soham won the National Bee on in 2019. Uh-oh. So the word is pandalock. Pandalock. And if you need a definition or... Or anything it's a diamond or other gemstone cut in the for form of a pear-shaped uh, brilliant with a table it's a noun and its origin is from two french words pandeloc p-a-n-d-e-l-o-c-h <laughs> wrong <laughs> what i should have said was you're breaking up i'm losing you time to go to rachel for a word from our one of our sponsors Hey, are you tired of nights in binge watching your spouse's or quarantine partner's favorite shows or waiting for the delivery service to bring you a lukewarm meal? Let's bring hot dogs and cold brews back. How? Hockey is back. That's right, your Dallas Stars, remember them? Western Conference champs last year? Well, they're back and they're bringing the heat to the AAC ice while on their quest to bring the Stanley Cup back to Dallas. And the best part, fans are welcome. Yep, dreams come true. So visit DallasStars.com today for all the best ticket deals and schedule information. All right. Thanks, Rachel. Welcome back to the mic drop. Joining us now is Jason Howarth. And we're not going to ask Jason to, to, to spell anything. And later on, Monica, I, I do want to get the correct spelling of Panda Lock, and I'm going to look it up and see what it means. But Jason, VP of Marketing for Panini, thanks for joining Monica and me uh, today on the mic drop. Uh, first of all, walk us through this Luka Doncic card story. What was so special about that card and how did it get to that card shop in Florida for that pack break that led to all the stories that we've seen since? Yeah, so, I mean, I guess the the first thing I'd say is that, you know, the basketball trading card category has been absolutely on fire for probably the last 24 to 36 months, uh, starting with the Jason Tatum rookie class and then you roll into the Luka Trey rookie year uh, followed by, you know, Zion Williamson and John Morant's class last year. And now we're rolling into, you know, LaMelo Ball and Anthony Edwards class, right? So, I mean, just continue growth in the category as people jump more into the trading card game or are reminded of it. Um, you know, National Treasures is one of our, you know, is one of those iconic brands for Panini. 
um, and for collectors. And so, you know, the, the, sought, the most sought after card in National Treasures is always that one of one NBA logo man of the top rookie in that rookie year. Uh, so in this case, you know, you could make the argument for Luca or for Trey Young uh, for that National Treasures. Um, no argument coming from uh, those of us uh, here in Dallas, but continue. Yeah. Yeah, and and even Trey has a connection to Dallas too because they flip those 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 picks, right? Right. So, That's uh, right. Kind of, kind of funny, but yeah. So I mean, you you know the the, the interesting thing about cards is that we we know what cards are going to be super special. We just don't know where they're ever going to end up because uh, if you remember as a kid, get that you get that pack of cards and you don't know what's inside until. You open it same same whether it's packed in a box or packed in a case um you know people open up that product that's where you know that's where the hits come from uh so you know just as shocking as when that you know when that person opens up that box and finds that card you know they go you know it, it's just absolute pandemonium every time on youtube when someone finds a card like that uh and then you follow it up with this story over the weekend so and this card, this was a one of a kind, yeah, one, one of, of one, one, right? Yeah, exactly. So a lot of, you know, in cards, we have unique numbering to trading cards. And so we have cards that are numbered to nine. We have cards numbered to 25 or less. And so numbered to 10, numbered to five, you name it. But the one of one is one of one. There is only one of those cards in the world. So, you know. With the logo the, man patch and yeah. signed by Luca. Yeah. So you get that one of one card. Um you know, they're, you're the only one that has that card in the world. There is no other card. So they break the pack open at the Leighton card shop in uh -huh. Altamont Springs, Florida. What happens next? So the way a case break works is that, you know, people are um, either randomly assigned or bought, um, you know, bought teams. So in the case of the NBA for case breaking, you know, you have 30 teams, 30 spots in a case break. So someone bought either bought that Dallas Mavericks spot or um, or were randomly selected to get that Dallas Mavericks spot. My guess is that they probably the Mavericks spot. I don't know um, how that how that break worked. But then every card that comes out of that, that case, that's a Dallas Maverick, goes to the person that gets the Dallas Mavericks. So in the year of Luca, you know people are rooting to get the Dallas Mavericks spot because they get all of those, all of those rookie cards, you know, just like this year, you know, people would be rooting hard to have the Charlotte, you know, have the Charlotte team, you know, in the case break because every card that comes out would be a Lamella bar, Lamella ball card that goes to them. So, um, you know, they just opened up the cases of product and, you know, and when they pull that card, the card goes to the person that was assigned the team in the case break. You know, and they buy into and they buy into that case break, obviously. What what is what does Luca mean to your business now? Obviously, he has enormous international appeal. Uh, what what does he mean to your business, Luca? I mean, you th I, the thing that's so great is you know obviously Luca is such a dynamic player, and we have so many young players in the league now that are dynamic. But Luca is definitely one of them. Um, he's got a really kind of you know fun personality. I think people see that on the court. Um, that makes him super likable, whether you're a Mavericks fan or not. Um, and then obviously his global appeal. I mean, clearly, you know, before he came into the NBA, he won a world championship, you know, um, you know, so he's got that global, global appeal in the European market. 
but not just the European market, because as you know, um, you know, China and Asia and Australia, you know, for that matter, are big basketball fans. So they love superstars. Um, you know, so they're all in, they're rooting for him. They love the way, I, I mean, everyone loves the way he plays, right? He's fun to watch. You never know what's going to happen. So that part is, you know, makes the, makes it really exciting for lots of fans. And he, along with a number of other players are the, you know, especially in the NBA right now. I mean, there are so many generational players right now, whether you think about Luca or Steph Curry or, you know, Kevin Durant, you know, to go out and be able to collect those guys now, um, you know, on trading cards is, you know, really special. And so, you know, that energy and that energy that translates on the floor kind of translates our trading cards because, you know, collectors just love getting guys that are, you know, animated and have a good persona. And, you, you know, there's obviously a correlation between on-court excellence and, and attracting uh, $4.6 million for a, for a card, even a rare, rare card like that. That's an astonishing number. But you recruit players, right? I mean, talk about that a little bit. You know, you... You identified Luca as a player that you wanted to partner with, and you, you know, whether it's the NFL or the NBA, you you scout players. I don't know if everybody is aware of that, and and decide in advance of a draft in a given year who is going to have that performance on the court or on the field that will lead to success in, in your business. Yeah, I tell you what, I mean, our our Panini product development team and acquisitions team, it is not fun being in a fantasy league uh, in our office because there's no such thing as a sleeper. Um, they all know the guys, you know, whether they come from a small school or whether they're playing in a foreign country, um, you know, they all know the guys before anyone else does, uh, you know, so there are no surprises in the, you know, when we're, when we're drafting those fantasy rosters, but yeah, I mean, I think that, um, you know, our job is to kind of go really deep because always know that there's superstars at the, you, you always know the top rookies at the top of the class, but there's always a guy that is going to take you by surprise every year. It doesn't matter, you know, whether that's Dame Lillard, you know, when he came into the league, you, you name it. I mean, you know, these guys at the top of the class, everyone knows and recognizes, especially if they've played in the tournament, um, you know, here in the U S we unfortunately haven't had a tournament in over a year. Um, but you know, so everyone knows who those guys are, but those, you know, those deeper picks, you know, where we, you know, and because we have to build a roster on our trading card side, it's our, you know, we have to go deeper and find those guys that are going to be compelling. Some of them pan out, some of them don't. I like to say we win more than we lose on those guys. Um, you know, but I think the thing that, the one thing that, you know, I thought was really kind of interesting, and I brought this up, you know, when Luca was a rookie, um, was we were backstage at the NBA draft and we were doing a lot of stuff on social media. You know, um, we had our Panini instant platform. And as soon as a player selected, we released their card, you know, with their team, you know, as the player crosses a stage. And so we were pushing that stuff out, you know, on social platforms and, you know, getting engagement. We had the players, you know, post the card when they came backstage to us. Um, and the thing that I thought was really interesting and it was like right there at that draft moment, but, you know, we saw such a high level of engagement on Luca um, on NBA draft night that we stopped and thought, and we were like, Whoa, something's going on here. Like, I mean, literally he's got a built in fan base 
um, you know, which we knew because he won the world championships. But at the same time, you know, to see that level of engagement for an international player, I don't know that we've seen that level of engagement, you know, for an international player, you know, since Panini has been the exclusive trading card partner of the NBA for the last 11 years. So um, that was like a little indicator of like, hey, you know what, maybe this is a guy we need to pay more attention to. Hey, maybe this is a guy we think we should incorporate into some of our, you know, early rookie marketing stuff, just based on the level of engagement that we saw on draft night, you know, on social media. So Jason, I think a lot of people here locally don't realize that Panini is right here in our backyard, right here in Irving. Uh, and really exciting to me because uh, I, I know you engage with FIFA and I think have some FIFA cards. So obviously we're going into a bid cycle right now. So I can't wait to engage with you further uh, on, on our bid process here. But how long has Panini been right here? And why did an Italian company choose the DFW region for its operations? Why wouldn't an, an Italian company pick DFW? No, um, Perfect actually, answer. Really, good, really, good, really <laughs> good question. Uh, so the two things that, um, you know, Panini did when they won the exclusive uh, rights to the NBA, the, the first thing they did almost immediately was try to figure out where they were going to set up, you know, their presence in the U.S. market. And they were looking at all places all over the country. Um, and then this little company called Donruss Trading Cards, which, which existed in Arlington, Texas, um, you know, was available for sale. They, they were in, you know, they were, they were hurting. They needed some help. And so Panini came in and ended up buying Donruss Trading Cards. And so as a result, that's how we ended up in DFW. Um, we also inherited, a, you know, such a huge, you know, mindset of people that understood the trading card category from, you know, those people that were at Donruss uh, that was super important to Panini kind of, you know, getting off the ground and running. Um, and then the second thing I, is I mentioned that that was one of the first things they did. The second thing they did was sign Kobe to an exclusive trading card agreement for, well, for autographs and for memorabilia. So I hear a lot about this NBA top shot. Uh, you know, when I grew up uh, in my teens, I was collecting uh, baseball cards and I think I had to, I must've lost a bet with my brother. He now has all of my baseball cards, but walk me through and help our listeners understand what is this uh, NBA top shot? It sounds like you might have got played with your brother on uh, if he ended up with all of your cards. I'm just going to say that out loud. I, I was a bigger um, collector, I think, than my brother, and he owns them. I'm going to have to get back with him on that. But Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, you know, NBA Top Shot's interesting. Uh, you know, we Panini has their own blockchain trading card product that we released uh, a year ago with the first uh, trading card company to introduce blockchain. Uh, into trading cards. And so we launched our first blockchain trading card product last January, a hundred card set across all sports. Um, you know, the blockchain, you know, is, you know, tied to a digital asset, essentially. It's a digital asset uh, that keeps a footprint across, you know, kind of the digital world, right? And so you can track who the owner is and that's super important from a blockchain perspective and everyone's trying to figure out how they utilize blockchain. Um, NBA Top Shot is similar. Uh, they've got a collectible video moment, um, you know, and people are, you know, jumping in on it for a number of different reasons. I think mainly for an investment purpose. Uh, I think they're also looking at, you know, how quickly they can turn, um, you know, how quickly that value rises and how quickly they can, 
you know, see a return. Um, you know, one of the things that I think has kind of happened in the pandemic is people have looked to diversified, you know, their investments. Uh, same thing on the trading card side of things. Um, and so isn't it fun when you can actually diversify your investment and make some money and actually enjoy that investment, you know, whether it's collecting cards or collecting top shot moments, as opposed to trying to figure out what the heck a stock is worth and what the, you know, what the earnings and all those other things that kind of go into, you know, investing in stocks are. Well, Jason, Jason. I've got to enter our uh, next level intern Marcus here because uh, I, we just found out, I think he has some top shot cards, Marcus. Talk to us Jason, about that. So, so we, we, we touched on how valuable this Luca card was. And now I'm into the whole top shot thing. But I want to know if real cards are actually going to go anywhere or is digital going to be the new thing? No, I mean, look, it's funny. I think that, you know, um, I, uh, well, there's a couple of things. So first off, the answer is no. Their physical is not going anywhere. You look at what the value of those cards are bringing in, you know, real dollars and having a physical element tied to it. I mean, every week there's an auction that, you know, is selling cards for, you know, anywhere from 50000 to $800,000. I mean, the numbers just keep going up. And I think the thing that's, you know, super compelling about that is that, you know, those are numbers that we used to see about like, you know, old cards, vin you know, vintage cards, whether, whether it was the Honus Wagner card or whether it's a Mickey Mantle rookie. You know, now you're seeing that with, you know, Giannis rookies, you're seeing it with Zion Williamson rookies, you're seeing it with Luca rookies and John Morant rookies. You know, you're, you're starting to see it on the football side too with, you know, you know, with those rookie cards. So those are not going anywhere. That, that money is go going to be there and there's going to be continued growth opportunities. But I think the best thing to say about digital versus physical is that there is, you know, there's a spot for both of them. And I think it's not an either or scenario. You know, if, if uh, you uh, follow Gary V on social media, you know, I mean, he's, he's in both, he's in the game on both sides and he's said, it's not an either or conversation, you know? And so I think that that's really important to kind of, you know, remember, but I mean, all you need to do is look at what um, trading cards has done in the last 10 years, we outperformed the S and P 500 you know, I saw this amazing stat um, a few months ago, and I wish I could remember who had, because um, I use this this analogy this all the time. I wish I could remember who who pushed that stat out there. But in the last year, it rose three hundred percent. In the same year, Luka Doncic rookie cards rose seven hundred and fifty percent. So if you don't know anything about trading cards, all you know is that we outperform and know everything about digital. All you need to know is that we outperform digital currency by, you know, twofold. So yeah, th th this is, this is an amazing discussion. We're talking about investments. What about, you know, I, when I was a kid collecting baseball cards, I actually played with the cards. I didn't worry about bent corners and mint <laughs> conditions. And you know, we've got a great legacy in Dallas with Dr. Jim Beckett, you know, starting the pricing guide and, and I know it's all, all changed. But what about the, the regular guy? I, I actually, or, or, or gal, I, I, I was texting with Darren Ravel yesterday about this, who I've known for a long time. And our, our, I think our, our listeners will know him as a sports business and collectibles guru, now at yeah. the Action Network, longtime ESPN and CNBC reporter. Yeah. And, you know, I asked him, what should I ask Jason? And he said, ask him if Panini feels a responsibility to, to 
I get, you know, make sure the product is equally distributed, equitably distributed, uh, not just breakers and bots as he, as he called it. And people who yeah. get up, you know, at six o'clock in the morning to wait in line at, at, at Target or, or, or somewhere. What, what about the place of the regular yeah. hobbyist? And, and there's been this big resurgence. What, what about your, your responsibility there? First of all, I've known Darren forever as well. I remember him when he was at ESPN the first time, the second time, the third time. Uh, you know, so uh, appreciate Darren's uh, question. It's a great question. Uh, I think that's one of the things that we're, we're is looking at trying to, you know, figure that out and why we have a number of different distribution, you know, platforms in terms of getting our product out there, as well as a scale of product. Right. So like for our NBA product, our NBA Donruss product literally just came out uh, yesterday, um, Wednesday. Yeah. So literally just came out yesterday. That product is a, you know, is a entry level product in, you know, in normal times, you know, it, outside of pandemic, what does that look like? I don't know. Right. I mean, outside of pandemic, we know what it looks like in pandemic. It's super intense. Um, that product is distributed at Walmart and Target. You know, it's sold at hobby shops. It's sold online. It's sold online on our website at PaniniAmerica.net. And it's actually sold overseas on our direct-to-consumer platform in China. Um, you know, so we, we've diversified our distribution, you know, where, you know, in the past you could find it in hobby stores and, you know, very few other places. Um, you know, so we've made sure that we've diversified our distribution. And as I mentioned, we've got in the NBA, we've got 33 different NBA products that are released per year. Everything from Don Russ and NBA hoops to our prison product, to our high-end product that we just talked about, National Treasures. Uh, same thing on the football side, 36 different products, uh, starting with Score into Don Russ. You know, brands that you know and have grown up with, contenders to new brands like Prism and Select and you know, flawless, which sells for $1,500 a box and comes in a steel briefcase and has diamonds embedded in it. And, you know, just anything you could possibly imagine in there that would be valuable. Um, so we've got a bunch of distribution. Bots is a, you know, is a challenge. I think it's a challenge for everyone. I mean, we see Amazon get hit with it. Best Buy get hit with it when they release the PS5. You know, we're doing everything we can to combat it. Every time we combat something on the bot side, a new bot comes out. You know, so I think that's a conversation for a lot of people that are, you know, manufacturers and, and retailers to figure out how do you battle the bot? I mean, I, I remember as a kid, like the, the biggest bot was, you know, for Ticketmaster. Every time I wanted to go to a great Guns N' Roses concert, I'd sleep outside, wait for the tickets to come on sale. And I'd be fighting some dude that was dialing up and managing to get as many tickets as they wanted. Right. Like. You know, that was like the human bot before, you know, back in the day, I guess, right? Um, so it's one of those things that we're constantly looking at and how do we, you know, counteract that. We've done some of that stuff on our website, um, you know, to battle the bots with our first off the line products where we have, you know, dynamic pricing where we start at a high dollar amount and then that product and then that dollar amount ticks down until the product sells out. So if all of a sudden, a bot's going to hit us at the top of the market. I mean, man, they're, they're getting it, but they're, they're going to feel the pain on it, you know, as opposed. So that's one of the things that we try to counter, um, you know, from a bot perspective, it's, I, you know, I think it's an ever changing um, environment. I, I was thinking about this uh, 
yesterday actually is I was searching Amazon and there's 500 things for the same product, you know, for something. And I'm like, I don't know if this is like a great product or not, not a great product, but there's 500,000 of them. Like, I, I think Amazon's got to think about that too. Um, how do they make sure that they've got the quality product in, instead of just getting swallowed up by all these other things that are, pop, you know, popping up on their, you know, on their platform and people trying to figure out what's the best product. I mean, you know, is it reviews or those reviews real? I don't know if they're real or not, you know, like, so all of those things are super challenging. It's a question. I think everyone in, you know, in the retail category, as well as the manufacturing category is kind of got to figure out and the answer is going to be different for every person. Well, Jason, thanks for joining, joining us today on the mic drop continued success to Panini and, 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 uh, and all that you're doing and uh, really appreciate it. We'll, we'll have you on another time. Yeah. And just the final thing to close on. I mean, yes, we are big FIFA supporters have been since uh, 1970. So let's get that conversation going and get that, you know, get them here. Sounds great. I'll be following up. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Jason. Now over to Rachel for a message from one of our sponsors. It's Rachel again. Hey guys, did snowpocalypse get you down and ruin your Valentine's Day? Here's a tip. Your relationship doesn't have snow days. You may have forgotten Valentine's Day, but trust me, Valentine's Day hasn't forgotten about you. And even more to the point, she hasn't forgotten that you forgot. So before you make up for your wayward behavior with $50 of Easter peeps stuffed into a handcrafted heart-shaped box you made from construction paper, empty beer boxes, and Gorilla Glue, woof, try giving her something she really wants this year. Give her a big O ring. These handy and stylish key rings have been featured on Oprah, Good Morning America, The Today Show, and The View. They're everywhere. Women love these and they'll love you for gifting them one. Go to oventure.com and order yours today. The O-Rings, giving women an extra hand. Love is real. Now back to Monica and Sully. We're pleased to be joined here on the mic drop by Vicki Johnson, the new head coach of the Dallas Wings of the WNBA. Vicki, thanks for uh, being here with us today. Sorry for being late. <laughs> We've oh. all been there with these technical uh, gremlins out there. You know, right? <laughs> well, oh, Vicki, we know you're, you're a busy lady, so... Uh, uh, we're going to jump right into it, but um, I see that you've been here in the DFW area, I think since 2004, so you're kind of familiar with our strong youth club and grassroots programs. What's so special about, about our young talent here in the, in the Dallas area? Well, uh, Dallas uh, has the most powerful um, uh, women's basketball uh, young talent uh, in the world, I think. Um, it's a lot of um, AAU programs, uh, a lot of opportunity for uh, young girls to start at a young age uh, to pursue their uh, basketball track or whatever career. Uh, the parents really invest in uh, personal training, uh, AAU, uh, DFW has one of the uh, powerful uh, women AAU team, uh, I think in the country. Uh, you have Mariah Jefferson, uh, Odyssey Sims. Um, you also have Alexis Jones. Uh, you have quite a few Atkins who have played in that uh, program and has been very successful. And those are the players that still in the WBA. Uh, when I played back when, a long time ago, um, it was a bunch of uh, Dallas uh, players in the league. And that was very successful uh, in the W uh, for a long time. Had low careers in the W. 
Well, it's been very exciting for me uh, to, to follow women's basketball. We hosted a very successful, uh, we feel, uh, 2017 NCAA Women's Final Four. I quite honestly think it was one of the most electric environments in the American Airlines Center. Very excited to partner again with the Wings in 2023. Uh, I think there'll be a, a special celebration there and, and, and celebration of Title IX uh, and, and engaging with the NCAA Women's Basketball Committee. But can you touch on what it means to be the only active black female head coach in the league? And, you know, where, what would you like to see the NBA and WNBA focus on more in, in the diversity and equity and inclusion side of things? Well, uh, I take great pride in it. Um, first of all, I'm a black woman every day. Uh, I'm a coach. Uh, so happen. Um, that I'm in, in a league, in, in the league that I started in 97, and I'm the only one in, in 2021. Um, I may be the first now from this moving forward, but I won't be the last. This is an opportunity for uh, not only the WBA, but the NBA uh, to allow uh, women, black women, a black man to lead their franchise. Um, uh, character is everything. And I think uh, a franchise uh, really have to open their mind, um, their idea, their heart, uh, what's best for their organization uh, and leave out uh, the color, the race, uh, the gender, uh, but who's gonna actually do um, the best job? It's a, it's a program um, on TV that I love to watch. It's the blind singer uh the, the judges turn around uh and they just listen to the voice you know and, and uh and some of the people that they pick uh is not ideal doesn't look uh like a uh like uh drake in a sense uh it may not be appealing in that sense uh, but they have the voice they have the talent and I think that that's what we have to do as American is not just focus on gender, race, uh, but who actually can do the job and reward the person that act actually can do the job and who can represent your franchise. But, I mean, the most important thing I think is character and who do you want to lead your team? Who do you want to teach your kids or your players to be uh, um, ups, up, up, upholding citizen uh, role models to the young generation, uh, leaving a mark, uh, not only on the court, but off the court, who can, how can they affect the community? You know, and that's what I, that's what I hope to bring uh, to my team here in Dallas. That's what I will bring uh, because core values, everything. And uh, uh, for me, transparency, uh, honesty uh, with my players, uh, what it takes to be in the WNBA, what it takes to be successful in the WNBA is huge for me. And I think the competitive side of, of our players, uh, the young generation has faded a little bit and that's what I wanna do for Dallas. That's what I wanna bring to Dallas. And when uh, the NCAA uh, come in 2023, uh, they will know that it's a WNBA team here and that these young ladies have something to look forward to. And that's to play for the Dallas Wings, hopefully one day, you know, and, and that's a great, um, that's a great uh, uh, future to look forward to. Uh, when I started the WBA in 97, uh, 
I had a chance to go, I got drafted in the ABL. Most people don't know, I got drafted in the ABL. I chose the WBA. I left Louisiana Tech, I graduated from Louisiana Tech. I spent a year over in France. And when I came back, I was placed in New York with Rebecca Lobo, Teresa Weatherspoon and Kim Hampton. And we, it was 18 and we started the league. And we stopped, not because of the money, but the possibility of this, this young, that the generation behind us have the opportunity to play in the league, in the state and be successful, just like the NBA. You know, the young guys have the opportunity to go to the NBA, to the D League or whatever. Now we wanna give the opportunity for young women to have the opportunity to still go overseas, which is still very successful overseas because I spent 15 years overseas, but also the players that don't wanna go overseas and wanna pursue another career, but they have the opportunity they have the opportunity to play in the WBA and be successful in the WBA. And that's why I'm here. Vicki, you, you, you were a great role model on and off the court as a, as a player and as a coach now. Talk a little bit about your mission with the, with the Wings Foundation in our community and how you can help young people uh, you know, create opportunity for young people, advocate for young people. And just, what, what is your message for them about, about all the things you're talking about? Well, I think, you know, women and girls, I mean, we have to be uh, role models for them, to motivate them, to inspire them, to be the best, the best version of themselves. I mean, uh, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, God has given a talent, a gift to everyone, and so we have we have to understand our why. You know what what's what's your purpose in life, and that's what we want to do for the community is to encourage them um, to be the best version of themselves and put them in position to be successful. That's my goal, you know. Uh, I know when I was growing up, you know, most people said that I couldn't be a basketball player, that I wasn't good enough to play at Louisiana Tech. They was the number one team in the country. I'm from a small town, uh, but my mom and my grandma, they encouraged me, you know, and, 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 and people gave me nuggets to help me along the way, you know. And uh, so it's very important for me to, to give back uh, to so many people who have given to me and, and for, for women, uh, because I was raised by a single mother, you know, and I, and I know it's very hard, you know, but uh, you have to encourage your kids. My, my mom allowed me to dream, to play AU, travel the world, you know, and, and she, and, but I had a foundation. That foundation was God, you know, and I think it's very important for us to understand that. And then social justice, you know, uh, uh, it's important. It's important for us to stand up for what's right. You know, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And that's not who we want to be. Uh, we want to be uh, uh, a gift uh, to, to the world. And uh, God uh, uh, is preaching love. And, and that's what it's all about. It's not about race. It's not about money. It's about love. You know, how do you want to be treated? You know, how do you want uh, the next person to treat your grandmother or, or your mother? You know, I'm always at the store. You know, and I have an opportunity to, to help a, a older a lady um, put her groceries up or whatever. I'm always willing to do it. And then young sports. I mean, uh, the youth sport is very important uh, for me as well as uh, to motivate, to, to encourage. Because at a certain age, um, kids, when it, when it become hard, uh, kids kind of drop out. You know, they, they kind of they, they kind of drop out because it's a little painful. It's not exactly how they thought it would be. Um, but people have to understand after that pain is glory, it's success. But if you can push through it, you can push through it. A lot of great things can happen for you. 
and it will happen for you. And then health and wellness is, is huge for us as well. You have to stay healthy. It's too much going on, especially with COVID. Uh, now, you know, a lot of uh, people that as, as contract COVID, uh, most of them die because uh, the health and wellness part of it, you know, and, and uh, walking, exercising uh, every day, um, uh, exercising the mind is huge as well. You know, uh, parents need to get out and, 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 and walk with their kids and, and tell them the importance. When I was growing up, I wasn't in the house. I, I, I got up on Saturdays at eight and I probably didn't come back to like six. You know, I came and got a snack at lunch or whatever, but I was out playing and you create your own activity and then education, the importance of education. You know, uh, not, not college is not, I always tell my friends, college is not meant for everyone. But whatever you do, be the best in what you do and find your niche in life and go for it. Give it 110%. But education, staying in school, graduating from high school, do you have to go to college? I mean, it depends on whatever. But if you're good and you're dedicated to whatever it is, Bill Gates never went to college. He's a billionaire. He's one of the richest men in the world, you know? And so uh, you just have to, you have to train the mind, you know, and, and, and believe in yourself more than anything. Uh, don't let anyone uh, um, dictate your future. You have to dictate your own future. Vicki, we are fortunate to have you in our community as head coach of the Wings. We're going to have you back before the season to talk about the team on the court. These are some really important messages uh, for our audience to hear. The Wings have the first two picks in the draft coming up. So you, you so so uh, you've got you've got a decision to make and some good opportunity there. But all the best to you, uh, both off the court with your work in the community and these important messages and uh, and getting the wings going again on the court. So congratulations. Right. We're glad thank, you're here. Thank you guys for having me. Come out and support. Uh, it's 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 going to be money well spent. Uh, we're bringing uh, a new energy, a new life. We're building a 12-man roster. Uh, beast mode. That's what I'll call them, the beast mode. Uh, every individual you will see and you will see their passion and you'll see our passion as a team and as a coaching staff. Uh, we love you guys and continue to support us. Thanks, Vicki. All right. Take care. Okay, okay. Let's hear one more time from Rachel. All right, guys, are you looking to get out of the house in a safe way? Maybe have a relaxing weekend at the spa or a fun family staycation for spring break? The Omni Dallas Hotel is right in the heart of downtown within walking distance to some of the area's best restaurants and unique shopping. The Uptown Terrace Infinity Pool is a family-friendly retreat during the day and a great place to watch a romantic sunset over the Dallas skyline at night. Go to omnihotels.com Dallas today for the best offers and spend your free time exploring Dallas. Why? Because big wins happen here. Thanks, Rach. Appreciate that. Welcome to the mic drop, Molly McCage. First of all, Molly, thanks for being with us. I got to tell you, you have the coolest name of anybody we've certainly ever had on the show. Uh, and maybe one of the coolest names I've ever heard. You could be fronting a rock band. You could be an MMA fighter. You could be any in any sport you wanted. Uh, I just think it's a really cool name. So we're honored to have uh, Molly McCage on with the mic drop to, uh, this week for our What Are You Downloading uh, segment. But first, tell us a little bit about Athletes Unlimited and what's happening uh, at Fair Park Coliseum. Really exciting new uh, business model and format uh, for 
women's professional sports in the U.S. And that includes a charity component that we'd give you, like to give you a chance to talk about as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, thank you for having me on. And I have to thank my parents for such an incredible name. <laughs> um, yeah, so Athletes Unlimited, we're here at the Fair Park Coliseum. We are competing for five straight weeks, three games a weekend for each team. Um, the teams are rotating each week so that top four performers become captains each week and then they choose their team. Um, and it's just a cool way to play volleyball. It really ignites the team camaraderie, actually. Like, a lot of people were concerned about, hey, there's a, there's a point system, so, like, isn't it going to that going to kind of diminish the team aspect of it. But in reality, it's cool to play with so many different people um, and to connect with different setters, different passers, different hitters. Um, and yeah, one of the coolest things about this league is that we are not just volleyball players. We are humans with our own passions. And we have the opportunity to partner with a nonprofit of, of our choice. Um, thanks to Give Lively, the Give Lively Foundation, and Athletes Unlimited, and I chose 1% for the planet. And so at the end of the season, 50% of my end of season bonus will be donated to 1% for the planet. Very cool. We have, you know, my co-host is a volleyball expert, so I, I'm, I, should, no, no. I should make way for Monica. No, I don't say volleyball expert, but first off, Molly, hook them. I uh, love that uh, I have a, a, fellow, a fellow Longhorn joining me on here today, but uh, we're very, very excited to have you all here in Dallas and at Fair Park and honored that this is your inaugural season. Obviously, we, we want this to continue well in, into the future. But Molly, can you give some of our listeners, I mean, you're very uh, athlete-driven, athlete decision-making. Can you, can you give our listeners an idea of, you know, here's how it was formed and here's the other people and advocates that we have around Athletes Unlimited? Sure. So um, it all started when Jordan Larson approached me um, hey, do you want to play volleyball if we're in the U.S.? And I was like, absolutely. Um, and so Jordan then recruited me. We recruited more players. And um, five of us are on the player executive committee. So we are the, the PEC. And um, we meet, we, we have met weekly since last April with um, the AU staff. So John and Jonathan, um, Anna Drucker, Vivian Labaton, et cetera, just to kind of go over how this league is going to be constructed. And that in itself is revolutionary for sports. Um, of the leagues that I've played in, I've never been asked to take part in major decisions of the league and kind of spearhead recruiting and who's going to be playing in this league. Um, so that's huge in itself for sports all over the world. Um, and since then, it, is, it has been an army of people trying to get this league going. And in my eyes, it's been a huge success. I have had so many people, ex-teammates and friends and family reach out like, hey, I'm tuning in. Hey, I'm watching. You know, I just finished the NBA game and now there's volleyball on. And um, that's the coolest thing to me is that people at home are just like, hey, I saw you play volleyball. There's your face. And now I want my daughter to play volleyball. Uh, um, that, so that's, cool. Yep, that's funny. I was walking through my office uh, uh, earlier this week and they're like, hey, Monica, you know about this Athletes Unlimited group? My daughter plays volleyball and we tuned in all three days. And I'm like, yep, that's exactly what I need you to do. Uh, CBS, Fox, uh, you know, uh, a lot of different streaming uh, capabilities. So you're getting a lot of good uh, feedback and coverage. So I'm excited to hear that. Oh, that's awesome. well, Molly, we know you, you play in a pro league in Germany, but we're glad you're in Dallas. Uh, I, I noticed in your, before we ask you what you're downloading, you, you have a fascinating background. I love the fact that you were a corporate communications major at UT. So, so uh, I feel like I'm among my people. 
and and uh, and also that your favorite pregame meal is peanut butter and jelly and just a little bit of coffee. So uh, <laughs> that 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 kind of fuels your, your performance. Yeah, it's the most elementary thing. I feel like I've had it since I was in high school. Um, there's something nostalgic, so American about it. I remember my German teammates being like, "What are you eating?" Um, and just kind of, it's just like a good balance of, you know, carbs, protein, nostalgia, um, and a little bit of caffeine to get me going. All right. So here's the question. You, this is the point in time where you, you open up the, uh, the, the tablet, the phone, the iPad, and let us know, uh, what are you downloading? Um, so just this week, I started listening to um, this podcast that one of my friends made. Um, his name is Matt West. I've known him since I was like 15. He's also a volleyball player. He played at Pepperdine. He was a setter. He's playing overseas and um, he interviews just volleyball legends. Um, and so it's been really cool because I obviously heard about people, you know, like Selena Rockwell, who was, you know, announcing this league and Cassie Lickman, who I have the pleasure of playing with. Um, but it's really cool. It takes a deep dive of, um, these athletes and all the different parts of their lives that have been impacted by volleyball. What's the name? It's Matt West. What's the name of the podcast? It's called, I think we're good here. So it's uh, Matt West and his friend Jackson Metakekia. Um, they both played at Pepperdine. They're both just the biggest volleyball nerds. And I honestly wouldn't classify myself as a volleyball nerd. Um, and so most of the time I'm, you know, listening about fashion or I'm watching musicals or things like that but I feel like while I'm playing volleyball I should probably you know learn a little bit more about the history of this sport and the people that made it so great well, very cool Monica you have one for this week you know I've been a little busy so no uh any no sports uh downloads I I binged watched uh Firefly Firefly Lane uh this weekend and my other stuff I'm downloading is all human rights uh um plans for our FIFA uh, bid. Get, so I'll, I'll come up with something better the, next week. Yeah, getting ready for that World Cup yep. uh, FIFA bid. Yep. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, the Aaron Sorkin masterclass on storytelling, which was pretty which was pretty cool. Not to get all intellectual, uh, but that was what I did recently. So, so Molly, all the best with Athletes United and, and the rest of your career. We really appreciate you joining, the, uh, joining us this week on the mic drop. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. A lot of fun. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Molly. Way to go. Uh, on behalf of Monica Paul and the Dallas Sports Commission, thanks to the Mike Drop production team, uh, Krista Malia, Marcus Carr, and our showrunner, Tony Fay. Until next time, thanks for listening. How about those mic drop moments? Big wins happen here. All right, Dallas, don't forget to follow, like, comment, subscribe, and share across all of your favorite platforms. <laughs>